Hey, race fans, it's Daryl Waltrip. You know, I won the first NASCAR All-Star race, and I've won three cup championships, and I'm in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. But being part of the Scott Hamilton Show, well, that's really big. Listen to it every day right here on ESPN Charleston, and boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, boys. We are still, though, in the midst of the playoffs for NASCAR. Headed to Bristol this weekend. One of my favorite venues. Football, I've talked about it. Racing, love it. Fantastic. And and I like how they've changed things at Bristol. They had the dirt race back in the spring. Uh, Did some things with the rules here and there over the past few years to try to limit the banging or contain the banging. I didn't really care for it. I like when they just let them go at it, but I digress. But it's one of the great venues in all of sports. It, it really is. And I'm happy to see it part of the playoff. You need that short track environment in the playoff. You really got you got to have Bristol in the mix. You've got to have Martinsville in the mix. You also need your super speedways, your Talladegas and your Daytonas. The Roval. Need it to be a big part of it. So I'm, I'm happy for that. That that's that's good on NASCAR for identifying. It it has to be a mix of tracks. You can't just have these mile and a half cookie cutters. The, the the Charlotte's under normal conditions of the world, where you go and everybody just turns left, left, left for hours, and there's really no character or uh, strategy to differentiate one lap from the other. You go to these short tracks, you go to a Martinsville, you go to a Bristol, a Richmond, you got to think differently. You have to change the way you drive. I I will say this, though. I I don't really have a lot to complain about with regards to NASCAR this year. Good Lord, who would have thought? Bubba Wallace won last weekend in Kansas. Second consecutive playoff race won by a driver not in the playoffs. That is phenomenal. 18 different winners this year. It's been an extremely competitive season at the cup level. In the playoffs, looking equally competitive. And we're almost done with the first full year of that next-gen car and the impact it's had on the sport and the quality of the racing, both in the regular season and in the playoff. And and that leads me to this question. Is there a team that has separated itself with figuring out the next-gen car that has taken the entirety of the regular season to really dive in and figure that out, to crack the code, to solve it almost like a Rubik's Cube so that they can fully leverage it in the playoff? That's one of the questions I'm going to have for Nate Ryan when he joins us shortly. And and I'm also wondering this, now that we have nearly an entire season on which to lean on, what is the impact of the next-gen car when compared to other initiatives in the history of NASCAR? How How has it changed the competition on the track? How has it changed preparation going into races, after races? What are teams having to do now that they never had to do in the past because of this car, because of the impact it's had. 
does it play a role in maybe drivers changing teams? That it's immaterial now. That the cars are all the same, you know. You have a Kyle Busch who has been a Toyota driver for so long, now going to RCR, I'm presuming to be a Chevy guy. Has that played a role in all this? Perhaps we'll explore that with our guest, Nate Ryan of NBC Sports. He's joining us now on the Say Tama Hotline. Nate, how you doing? Doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me. Nate, uh, we're well deep into the playoff now. We've had back-to-back winners by drivers not in the playoffs. Before I get into some very specific questions, what should we extract by that fact, the fact that we've had back-to-back drivers win and neither in the playoff? Uh, I think the, the main takeaway, Scott, is that it's unprecedented that uh, you know NASCAR had never had a non-playoff driver win a cup opener before. So for a non-playoff driver to win the first two races of the playoffs, uh, it's rather astounding. I mean, it's rare that non-playoff drivers win playoff races. There have been 10 race playoffs during NASCAR's uh, history with, with this format, which is now, I think, in its uh, 19th year. Um, where non-playoff drivers have gone winless. That's happened. And we've lost Nate Ryan. We'll effort him back. And it is unprecedented. It speaks volumes. But to what do we attribute that? Is it the next-gen car? I I would have to think so. As we effort Nate Ryan, get him back on the horn, I have to think that that is the reason for this, that the the car has leveled things off to the point where the talent level – even, perhaps more even than it's ever been, or at least it, that that talent is able to be fully realized because everything has been even more, that the exorbitant resources of an RCR or a Joe Gibbs doesn't matter as much anymore. We've got Nate Ryan back. Nate, I, I want to expand on that. This is unprecedented. Is this because of the next-gen car that we are having two guys not in the playoffs win races in the playoffs? Yeah, I think you can definitely point to that, Scott, as the main reason why. Uh, that was going to be the next point I was going to make. That I, I think it is a testament to the fact that uh, this car has been a handful for even the powerhouse teams to get their arms around it. And uh, I think, in a way, it's been really good for NASCAR because it's put a lot of it back in the driver's hands. And certainly this season, with 18 different winners, we're seeing that there are a lot of guys capable and talented enough to win races in NASCAR's premier level. What, what has NASCAR done differently, or is it simply an engineering thing that has enabled the next-gen car to have such an amazing impact while other initiatives, uh, specifically the car of tomorrow about 15 years ago, that fell kind of flat? Yeah, well, this is a total sea change compared to other iterations of this car, Scott, where teams aren't building the majority of the, the race vehicle anymore, whereas before teams had a lot more autonomy in terms of they built the chassis and they could manufacture and optimize a lot of the parts and pieces that, while they don't seem like big things externally, um, those little things make a huge difference in gaining the you know the critical tenths of a second per lap that you need to run really well. So, with this uh, next gen car, Scott, like it's all now been centralized. Like there, there's a single source supplier for every major part of this car, and most importantly, it's it's true for the chassis. And the chassis is, of course, the skeleton of the car. It's what the entire car sits upon, you know, what the body is, is shaped around. All of those chassis are coming from one place uh, in North Carolina, and that's completely different than what teams have been used to, and I think that's really leveled things out in the Cup Series. Has there been a team, though, that has surprised you that perhaps 
has cracked the code, solved the riddle of the next-gen car by the end of the regular season into the playoffs that maybe you didn't expect, maybe kind of under the radar? Yeah, I mean, no question it's track house racing. Uh, in that, you know, they essentially were a one-car team last year affiliated with Richard Childress. This year they have they bought the assets to Ch- Chip Ganassi Racing. They expanded to a second car. They added Ross Chastain. And both Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez have won races this year. And even more importantly, I mean, um, Chastain in particular has been at the front of a lot of races this year. So for Trackhouse Racing, which is really only in its second year of existence, even though they're using a lot of Chip Ganassi's equipment and people, Chip Ganassi still was more like a B-level Cup Series operation. So they've really taken what Ganassi built there, that foundation, and they've become, you know, on the cusp of fringe of being an A-level team. They're almost right there weekly with Hendrick and Joe Gibbs Racing and Penske. So I think Trackhouse is the team I think you can point to the most that's really cracked the code. Is that the trend you expect going forward, that the, the separation between the A-level teams and everybody else become more narrow? Can you envision a world in perhaps five years from now, ten years from now, where there aren't necessarily A-level teams, that everybody <laughs> truly is on the same plane? I mean, that's what NASCAR wants to see, Scott. Um, I, I think that there is some skepticism there because in the past when they have gone, you, you, know, you mentioned the car tomorrow, uh, there was the Gen 6 before the next gen. When they have gone to these so-called game-changing type uh, rules changes or, or new vehicles, like invariably it ends up just with the cream rising and the powerhouse dominating. But it, this uh, model, it's, it's, a, it's essentially what's called, it's, essentially it's called spec car racing. It's, it, it meaning that like everything is spec, everything is built like according to the same specifications that everybody is using. Uh, it's sort of modeled, what they're doing in NASCAR is somewhat modeled off of what they've been doing in IndyCar for about a decade. And it has achieved some degree of parity in IndyCar, where it used to be the only teams you talked about were Penske and Ganassi. Um, there are about three or four teams that you kind of talk about on a regular basis now uh, in IndyCar. So whereas I don't think you know it's going to dethrone Penske, Hendrick, and Joe Gibbs from winning all the time, Stuart Haas in that discussion as well, I do think you're going to see two or three other teams that are sort of in the conversation every year, like Trackhouse has been this year. Joined by Nate Ryan, NBC Sports. Follow him on Twitter, at Nate Ryan. Nate, you're embedded in the sport, so I want to get your take on this. Maybe I'm just, again, cuckoo for even thinking about this. But the big news in NASCAR the last couple of days was the announcement that Kyle Busch was leaving Joe Gibbs Racing. He'll be driving the number 8 Chevrolet for Richard Childers Racing starting next year. Given that the next-gen cars had such an impact and given that everybody is basically playing with the same set of equipment, the only difference, I imagine, would be the body styles provided by the manufacturers, did any part of Toyota, Chevrolet, any of the manufacturers play a role in Kyle Busch leaving him changing? Because, to my knowledge, he had driven Toyota for the better part of the last 15 years. Now he's going to be in a Chevrolet. Did the next-gen car play any role in him changing teams? Yeah, I think it did in a couple of ways, Scott. One, I think that Kyle Busch saw what Richard Childress Racing was able to do this year uh, with the next gen, where, again, it has leveled things out a little bit. Tyler Reddick won the first two races of his cup career uh, with the team at RCR that Kyle Busch will now be driving for in 2023. So I think that made a difference. I think Kyle Busch sees this as the right time, right opportunity, where he can make this kind of move and maybe not have a drop-off 
in performance like he had in previous years. I don't think he would have seen Kyle Busch do this 2021 or, or beforehand. He would have not gone anywhere unless it was another big-name team. I mean, Childress is a big-name team, but they haven't had the success. They haven't won a championship in 28 years. But, uh, you know, you mentioned manufacturers. That's another big part of this. I mean, Kyle Busch has been the face of Toyota for 15 years, and it's not just as a cup driver. It's that he's had a truck series team uh, that's really been propped up by Toyota. Uh, they provide a lot of the vehicles, a lot of the funding, a lot of the resources, a lot of the staff, and that's been true for the last 13 years. And in making the switch, uh, it hasn't been announced yet, but it's widely expected that Chevrolet is going to really beef up its truck program and bring Kyle Busch Motorsports' trucks into its fold um, and make that a part of the deal with Kyle Busch going to Richard Childress Racing. So there is a, a large manufacturer element uh, to this deal, which, as you said, I mean, it's it's a really big deal for NASCAR. This is the biggest driver move, I think, since Dale Earnhardt Jr. went to Hendrick Motorsports in 2008. I remember where I was that day. I was on an elliptical machine, <laughs> and I got an alert on my phone. I went, oh, I was in Mooresville. I went, oh, crap. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I was in Mooresville, <laughs> and, and I went, oh, crap, Junior's, Junior's going to Hendrick. And I actually lived yeah. one mile from DEI, and I thought about just driving by and Honk on my horn a few times for Teresa, but we'll talk about that off the air. Uh, we're joined by Nate Ryan, NBC Sports. Uh, who becomes the face of Toyota now? Uh, it's probably like a combination of guys. I don't think that it'll be, you know, marketed around one person. I think certainly like Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. are your most successful drivers uh, now left in the fold. But then if you look toward the future, Christopher Bell, um, certainly is, is somebody who they're is pinning a lot of its hopes on. And the guy everybody's widely expecting to replace Kyle Busch, Ty Gibbs, who's been running in place of the injured Kurt Busch the last month or two, I think that made this an easier decision for Joe Gibbs Racing to essentially let Kyle Busch go and not push as hard to keep him. Um, he certainly will be in the mix. And if Bubba Wallace, the most recent winner in the Cup Series, uh, getting his second career victory at Kansas, if he continues continue to do well, I think that, those three names, Bell, Ty Gibbs, and Bubba Wallace, are people you'll be hearing a lot about in the future associated with Toyota. Joined by Nate Ryan, NBC Sports. Nate, just a couple more moments, please. And I haven't had an opportunity for us probably to go arm-in-arm arm and do a victory lap after the news that NASCAR is going to have the all-star race at North Wilkesboro. <laughs> Masterful move on NASCAR's part, and, and it demonstrates two things. One, that it's finally come around and realizes the damage it did to its home base during that decade of overexpansion in the mid-2000s. And two, it also demonstrates the influence and the power of Dale Earnhardt Jr. What's your take? Yeah, if Dale Jr. doesn't show the interest that he has, Scott, he was the guy who went up there um, almost three years ago now uh, with a, a team of his buddies, and they like scanned the entire track just so that they could put it on iRacing because <laughs> Dale Jr. being such a big sim racer, he wanted to race – uh, North Wilkesboro virtually. So he knows the founder of iRacing and the guy who still runs the show over there. And, and he made that happen. I think that really started the ball rolling and got the momentum going. And then for Dale Jr. to be part of those revival races that they've had the last couple of months up there, uh, I think that really uh, pushed NASCAR over the threshold of, of agreeing that this was uh, a feasible idea. Well, that and the fact that, you know, the American Rescue Plan is pumped millions of dollars into uh, upgrading North Wilkesboro. So uh, the combination confluence of all those things made it happen. I still think, though, there's a lot of work left to be done on the infrastructure, as you well know, yeah. uh, of that place. And I, I think that if you're planning on going in May, 
um, be prepared for uh, hopefully facilities that are upgraded, but maybe not fully upgraded, and be prepared to sit in traffic because we know the roads aren't going to be done uh, along 420 and those various other highways that you know uh, getting up there. But uh, hopefully it'll be worth the wait, uh, given that it is one of NASCAR's most historic short tracks, and you would hope in an all-star race that type of exhibition would be the right format for that place well two thoughts on that uh god bless appalachian state side of college game day this week people are going to be taking those same roads so yeah good on you for nate ryan pointing that out but but i I, i'm not thinking so much about the people who are going to be able to go nate but merely what this can do for the television audience you and i both know this event this event has been stale for gosh 15 years at least, and they've kept trying to tweak with the rules and the formats, and there's never been anything to really get people excited about the all-star race. I think this is the best possible route to go. Yeah, they never address the core problem, Scott, which is that uh, a mile-and-a-half track is not the type of place if you want the fireworks that those rules changes and formats were intended to produce, and that's only going to happen at a track uh, with tight confines like North Wilkesboro has. So, yeah, I, I think that they finally have uh, gone at, like, the, the root of the problem uh, that we've seen with lackluster all-star races for really, as you said, at least 15, 20 years. So hopefully in 2023 we'll see something different for NASCAR. Nate, I would like to wrap things up with a thought and a question. My thought is this, and I've been pounding my chest for, I guess, five and a half years now saying this needs to come to light. Thursday night all-star race Martinsville. Let's make that happen. <laughs> and number two, Nate, what does this do on the possibility of revitalizing, of resuscitating Rockingham, making it one of the yeah. one of those places? Yeah, you know, Rockingham is part of that American Rescue Plan money as well, Scott. And I know that they've, they've poured some um, funding into upgrading some of the facilities there, but I agree with you. I I. In, in some ways, I would rather see the Cup Series go back to Rockingham before Wilkesboro. Um, it hosted races more recently than Wilkesboro, and if you look at the last three Cup races that were held at Rockingham from 02 to 04, they were barn burners. And that is a really good track in terms of tire degradation, and yeah. um, I think the next gen would work well there. So would love to see them go back there. I literally rubbed my hand over the surface my first trip to Rockingham, and, and my fingers bled. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> Nate, Nate, my first trip to Rockingham was the week after Earnhardt Sr. was killed. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people were there that week. Oh, my yeah. God. I, what a way to be indoctrinated to uh, to Rockingham Racing. Uh, you're headed to Bristol this weekend, right? Headed to Bristol, indeed. Well, what, do, what should we expect? Well, I'm hoping we see a little bit more uh, fireworks than we've seen so far this year on short track races, Scott. I mean, uh, and to be frank, you know, your Thursday night – all-star race of Martinsville idea, I like it, but I think we need to see that the next gen can produce uh, better racing on the short tracks because, frankly, the Martinsville race uh, in the spring this year might have been the worst in the Cup Series so far. D- drivers have had trouble uh, with the new car because they're, they're finding that they're shifting on shorter tracks like Martinsville, like Richmond. I hope that's not the case at Bristol. I hope that Bristol produces the type of bumping and banging that we've seen in the past. Um, I hope that, but this will be the first test because, as you'll know, uh, you know Bristol was a dirt race the last time the Cup Series visited there a few months ago. So this is the once annual trip now to Bristol Motor Speedway's high bank concrete uh, surface, and you know I hope that Saturday night we see some of the uh, racing the way it ought to be, as uh, the Bristol Motor Speedway staff likes to say. Yeah, Martinsville is all about the hot dogs, anyhow, Nate. I'm just going to be honest, with you. <laughs> the Red Rocket. <laughs> 
He's Nate Ryan, NBC <laughs> Sports. Follow him on Twitter, at Nate Ryan. Nate, you're the man, pal. Appreciate your time today. All right. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Scott. All right. Take it's care. Nate Ryan, NBC Sports, joining us on the Say Tama Hotline. Rockingham, he was talking about tire degradation. That's no joke at Rockingham, dude. I, I am dead serious. I was walking out, and the place is emptied, and, I, and you walk across the track to exit from the infield from the media center. And I'm like, ah, you know, how hard can it be? How hard can it be on tires? So I reached down, and I, I done hard, kind of gently, scraped my hand across the asphalt, and I pull it up, and I've got cuts all over my fingers. And I'm like, oh, my God. If that did that to my hand, what's it doing to these cars going more than 100 miles an hour? Lap after lap after lap. It was it, it was a real eye-opening moment for me, a finger-opening moment, actually, and made me appreciate some of the things involved with regards to strategy and so on and so forth, with regards to pit, tire change, all that. I think it would be wonderful. Let's get that back in the mix, man. Let's get it back in the mix. Excellent stuff. Nate Ryan, NBC Sports. Scott Hamilton Show on Wednesday.